today, Stephen, is going to take a look at bonds and the market and the current state of the market. And we will also have our weekly market update with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today newsletter. And we'll see how the market in general is travelling find out what gold's worth and oil and all those things that have impacts on our lives. Thursday, finance, Stephen Pritchard. Oh, gold, how is it doing? I believe before we get on to gold, I believe the US uh, market has taken a little bit of a dive in the last day or so and uh, ours, ours probably is yesterday followed. yesterday and is this morning. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, back And it has the, for the week. Back for the important So, So gold. there's lots of there's lots of reading lots around. Of We're all very poor this week. So the gold price was actually down $45.21 an ounce as of last night. How many? Forty-five dollars and twenty-one cents okay. to two thousand two hundred and twenty-nine dollars and fifty-six cents. Okay. And the crude oil price was down fifty-six cents a barrel to eighty-two dollars and four cents Australian. Mm, doesn't always drop, does it? No, um, and of course you got the interplay with the um, exchange rates here. Um, and the, the uh, Australian dollar was was also all down around the world. So um, we're down to seventy-eight point two US. Dollars yes. US cents uh, against the Great British Pound with 56.03 pence and against the Euro we're 64.67 Euro cents. So um, imports became a bit more expensive and overseas travel became a bit more expensive. Yeah, well, for those we can who think forget the first, to, the second yes. lot though at this stage. For those who think, yeah. yeah. Um, but, apparently, it is possible to go overseas, but you've got to stay away for three months or something. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. these days you really want a vaccine before you go, don't you? Well, I don't think you require. You've got to stay away for three months. Of course, you've got to come back in. And do the quarantine to, thing and wait your turn yeah, to so, get a so, place. So if you have got some genuine reason to go overseas, I understand you you, 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 you can. You can get round the Iron Gate. <laughs> you can get round the Iron Gate. Yeah. And um, the all ordinary uh, the all ordinary was down uh, as of close yesterday of thirty seven point eight uh, to seven thousand and sixty seven. But it was lots of reading because I left the office this morning, so I'm sure it'll be down further. And I'm sure Henry will tell us um, if we want to ask. Uh, sometimes it's best not to ask. Uh, the the price of uh, the S and P five hundred was down nine point six to three thousand eight hundred nineteen, and the UK index was UK index was up surprisingly twenty three point to 6,675. So, you know, all this disaster that was going to befall the UK with bricks and mm. Mm. doesn't appear to have, particularly the, the other dramas the country's going through at the moment with COVID. I mean, yes. you would have thought the equity market would be in almost free fall. But, but You'd wonder about their economy with so much closed down at the moment, but apparently that's given Euro, them confidence. Euro might be worse. European it might. might be worse. Yeah. So it might be a case yes. of the UK's relatively better. Anyhow, um, some stocks. Uh, BHP was up 42 cents in the week as of last night, but it's now down. Um, CBA was up $1.70 on the week, same type of comment. And NIB was up $0.05 cents on the week to $5.70. Uh, um, Are we up to Telstra yet? And Telstra <laughs> was down six cents on the week to three dollars and eleven. There you go. It's still over three. Three. <laughs> and um, I was just thinking, NRB sent um, I think out in the mail this week a package. We might see if we can get the the, the man from NIB on 
on before. It's um, an interesting uh, topic. Yes, yeah. We might see if we can get him on before April. Talk about health funds. Um, and Newcastle fuel price at dollar thirty nine point nine. So that was down a dollar. Uh, 1.3 cents. Sydney, $1.27.7, so it was up 0.6, so no real changes there. Diesel in Newcastle, $1.30.5, and in Sydney, $1.28.3. Thursday, finance and uh, Stephen Pritchard. Time to take a, an in-depth look at the markets, and we're joined by Henry Jennings, Senior Market Commentator at Markers Today. Hello to you, Henry. Hello. Henry. Stephen. Yeah, the, market, the market's still down as we talk? Um, it's kind of clawing its way back oh, a little bit. Um, banks are doing well. When do they not? <laughs> <laughs> they must be run well, mustn't they? <laughs> um, it, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the weight of money. It's, it's not just the weight of money. There, there's a big shift that's happening at the moment in, in the world um, in interest rates. And for a long time, we've had record low interest rates. And recently, the spectre of inflation has risen and longer-term interest rates are starting to push higher. And this does have an effect on valuations of tech shares and high-growth shares. And also it has um, a good side to the banks because the banks tend to uh, be borrowing somewhat short-term and uh, lending long-term, and long-term rates going up and the deposit rate doesn't move. And so, so their margins improve. Mm. So it's a good thing for banks. But, yeah, there's... There's certainly some movement at the station in interest rates. Now, whether that uh, is, is real or whether it's just the market doing what the market does best, repricing risk, but certainly with all this stimulus money being chucked at the markets and the economies around the world, there is a risk that things will get a little bit out of control. Mm. Even yesterday, we had some great GDP numbers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Fantastic GDP numbers. It's almost as if life was back to normal which it pretty much is unless you want to fly in or fly out. Mm-hmm. Or, or you're in the tourism or education sector, I guess. Ah, uh, some of the tourism sector's doing quite nicely, thanks, Henry. Well, yeah, I, I think that, because you try booking somewhere anywhere, yeah. and, they're, and they're absolutely chock-a-block. People are doing the road trips. I've had mates doing the overland track. I've had people in Tasmania, yep. I know. We did the Victoria thing. So, yeah, I, think, um, I don't think tourism's doing as bad as... The um, the Alan Joyce's of this world would have us well, believe. Well, the, the net the net Australia was 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 actually spent more money on overseas tourism than actually came in. So mm. so if that money's being redirected to Australian tourism, the, the tourism numbers um, should be going up immensely. But the, there's international airfares, you know, yeah. the international hurting. But the domestic, I mean, you know, up the bay here, you know, I know a director of one of the companies up there, and he says it's been like Christmas since October. I know. The, 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 the argument, the counter-argument to this, and this comes from the Tourism Australia people, is that the international tourists come here and they spend more money. And my argument would be, well, that's fine. They probably do spend more money, but they probably spend it in shops that are owned oh, yes. by them. Cairns is a typical case of that. Yeah. Yep. They come off the plane, they go to the airline, they get on the tourist bus, they get taken around to the... Yep. Yeah. It's a bit like when you and I... When we go to Thailand and you, you get on that tuk-tuk and the bloke takes you yeah. to a special shop that his brother owns that yeah. is going yeah. to make you the shirts and the suits. I've done that. It was the funniest day I think I've ever had in in, <laughs> in an overseas city. Just one day, it was hysterical trying to watch this guy go through contortions to flog his shirts and things. It was great. Mm. <laughs> 
anyway. Anyhow, so what? Well, worse, what's this private equity for Endeavour Group? I thought that was going to be given to share or a distributor. Well, yeah, I thought this was a done and dusted deal. Yeah, Last year, just... the, the Woolworths was going to split out the Endeavour Group, which is the hotels and uh, drinks that sort of Dan Murphy's, uh, and uh, demerge it. They did. I think they did look vaguely at a trade sale, but um, that was that was it was a demerger that was going to happen, or even a, even an IPO with um, you know obviously shareholders getting some. Um, but now it looks as if private equity, which is forever voracious in terms of trying to nick stuff and buy stuff, that's what they do best, is lurking in the wings to have a little tilt at it. So that could be interesting, but yeah. Well, the best thing for shareholders is just distribute it out to them and then private equity can then bid on the market if they want it. Well, that would be the best way, I reckon, yes. If you, if you were the Woolies people, I think that would be the way I'd prefer to play mm-hmm. it. And it's all open, transparent, yep. there's no... There's no dodgy um, behind-the-scenes kind of deal. So, yeah, I think that would be the best way to play it. And then uh, Qantas, more jobs to go if it doesn't get some JobKeeper. <laughs> Always. Qantas is, is forever more jobs to go. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, because now they're offering mystery flights. Yeah, um, yes. What I find quite, quite weird, um, and I don't know many people talk about this in analyst land, is a lot of these travel companies and Qantas and people like that have all done quite well out of JobKeeper and the balance sheets have been boosted by mm-hmm. capital raising. I reckon the balance sheets have been quite well boosted by the fact that they never give you your money back. They <laughs> just give you a travel credit. Yes, I've, well, got, that, you know, that, I've got a $1,200 Jetstar travel credit, which they've got my money yeah. that I can't use unless I want to go to Qantas. Yes. And that's sitting on their balance sheet. So um, even if they don't fly, they've still got the money. Yes. Even better if you forget it. Even better if you forget about it. Thursday Finance in the middle of our weekly market update with Henry Jennings. And we're up in the air at the moment, Steve. Yeah, we're up in the air. So we're going from one end to another. So Regional Express is uh, commonly also known as Rex, uh, made its first flight from Sydney to Melbourne this week. Yes, yes. They're um, they're trying to cut in on the virgin uh, Qantas uh, duopoly, I guess, of the world. I think Sydney Melbourne is the world, one of the world's busiest yep. air routes. Yes. Um, so Regional Express obviously trying to get in there. There is, um, I guess, there is a, a potential for both Qantas and Virgin to crowd them out, and I think they have even said that, and, and we've seen in the past how damaging price wars have been. So I guess good luck to, uh, to Rex. They've certainly become quite ambitious, and when, when Virgin fell over, uh, we did see Rex try and fill that void uh, when mm-hmm. Virgin were no longer there. But, of course, we're, we're still far from normal in terms of air travel, although I did notice a lot more planes over the inner city at the weekend when I was visiting my daughter in Newtown. There was a lot more, and even they said it's picked up dramatically. Uh, when they moved in, it was they could just hear the birds. Oh. <laughs> and now they realise they're on the flight path. Oh, well. <laughs> Has the lease got long to go, Henry? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't oh, think that's, so. That's good. Um, <laughs> and then so uh, one day Mizo blasts on its lifeline and the next day it's got a $138 million placement deal. I know. This is the company that rips up more dollars than you can... You know, it's, yes. it's crazy stuff. It's just like a Russian oligarch in the way it spends its money. Um, so, yeah, Mizo blast got given a lifeline by a U.S. strategic shareholder or a new shareholder to them. Um, and raised this, all this money. The, the thing that spooked the market, and I guess it, it's, they say it's par for the course for any biotech, is the, uh, is the auditor's 
qualification about the going concern, basically, that mm-hmm. if they didn't raise some more money, they wouldn't be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think mesoblasts go through about 75, 80 million US a year, um, which is a fair dig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, they haven't really had the results. The idea was that they would start to get some of the income from the drug companies they've done deals with on their really promising drugs. Yes. The problem is they haven't really been that promising, and the drug companies haven't been giving them the money because of it. And as a result, they keep having to go back to shareholders and the well and raise more. So. Oh, well, they got another... They got. They lived to play another day, I suppose. Well, the balls would say that, yeah. I've got to say, I think if you're going to chuck money at stuff, there's probably better things to chuck money at. Well, of course, AMP's managed to find someone to buy part of the best business in AMP. Talking of chucking money. Yes, but the, <laughs> the shareholder's going to be left with the scraps. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? You end up with uh, just the, the, the bad bits. Yes. Um, so, yes, Ares Capital, uh, A-R-E-S, uh, which is a US mob, they've, they've taken well, one of the best bits. They've done a joint venture, which was somewhat surprising because at one stage they were going to bid for the whole of AMP, then they were going to bid for just the, the bit they wanted, and then they did a JV with the AMP. So I guess you've still got some upside there. But AMP Capital is um, is there are some you know, the banking side is also part of the attraction there. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a complicated story, and I think that when you look at the skyline of Sydney uh, from Circular Quay and you see that AMP building, um, it's a relic from the 60s. It is being upgraded, but it is taking an awful long time, and it's a bit of a metaphor for the company, I think. That was the first skyscraper, wasn't it? The first, I think first I, I think Goldfield's house actually was. Well, they owned that too, didn't they? Uh, yeah, probably. I think Goldfield's house and the A&P were the first two, mm-hmm. from, from my history memory. And then, of course, Macquarie had thought it, it wrapped up Vital Harvest, and now someone's come along and offered another eight cents at the last the best, minute. The best way... Plans of mice and men, I guess. Yes. Um, in that one, yes, they they thought they were going to get that one, um, but it looks like they have got some competition there, so um, they haven't got it alone. Um, Macquarie does like um, to get these things alone. I think they bid a dollar, and the Rock Partners now launched a dollar eight bid for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, yeah, well, I guess we'll see how this one goes. Macquarie not short of a quid, so I guess if they can make the numbers stack up. Then, um, then it will work for them. But yes. um, at the moment, um, we'll wait and see how it all pans well, out. Well, one of my old clients said to me, who well, is actually a shareholder on this, said, if Macquarie wants to buy it, I don't want to sell it. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, that would probably apply the opposite way as well. If Macquarie wants to sell it, you don't want to buy it. And when you look at the price of Newix, which is one of their big floats uh, yes. last year... Um, which got to nearly 12 bucks at one stage. Um, it's back down to uh, $5.30. Oh, there we go. After their results. So he's, it has fallen he, like a rock. So he's right then, at so, least yeah, in, at least in back, this instance. Yeah. They're, they're the, they're the, you know, if you walk in a room, they're usually the smartest guys. So if they're trying to sell you something, count your fingers. <laughs> and, if, and if they're trying to buy something, count the other fingers on the other hand. Yes. And I think we've got time just to mention Freedom Food, so more problem. Oh. Apparently they've been extracting <laughs> some protein out of their milk before they uh, put it in the cartons, and it may not meet the definition of milk, according to some whistleblower. Oh, the, the, 
the tra- their troubles have come in battalions, haven't they, mm. for Freedom Food. It's still suspended. It's still sort of trying to be reconstructed, tarted up. Mm. You walk into Coles and Woolies, and if you go to the healthy food aisle, which I sometimes go to... Um, by only mistake. Sometimes, only sometimes by mistake if I get lost. Um, you always find the Freedom Food stuff is on special. It has been for years. It's always 25 30% off. I bought some porridge the other day. 30% off, and it's always 30% off. It's been the story of that company. Um, it's been very disappointing, I have to say, and worthy of not going back to the health aisle. But their products t- usually taste all right, though. Yeah. We buy them sometimes. Yeah, yeah I've got to say, I, I, I always, you know, I tend to buy them because they're always 30% off. Yes. And they are quite good, and I quite like their, yes. their muesli and their yep, porridge and stuff. Yep. So there you yeah. go. What's not to like? Well, the price, yeah. usually. But 30% off, it's, it's always good. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Henry. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. There it is, Henry Jennings, Senior Market Commentator at Marcus Today. And to on URFM's Thursday Finance. And we are joined now, Stephen Pritchard, by Richard Murphy. He's from the Australian Corporate Bond Company. We, we like to um, chat to him every now and again, don't we, about how things are going? Richard's a fixed interest expert. Ah, he's interest the rate, The interest rate expert, Richard, aren't you? Oh, sort of, yeah. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. A, a, gen- a general expert. Very enthusiastic there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's been a bit of excitement in the fixed interest world in the last week or so. So what's kind of happened with the cash rate? We'll start there. Yeah, look, the, the cash rate will stay where it is for a very long time, according to Reserve Bank. Um, they basically, and this, that's the same all around the world. The central banks, like the Reserve Bank and the, the Fed in America, are saying we will keep the cash rate, which is the overnight rate, um, at these uh, very um, low rates for potentially right up until 2024. So that's some years ahead. Mm-hmm. So that's that says good news for mortgage people, but not so great at all for term deposit holders. Yes, and so what's kind of happening in term deposit world now? Well, term deposits are all now under 1%, well under 1%. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of term deposits under half of 1%, um, which is terrible for, for savers. But there's, the real buzz that's been going on in, in, in globally in interest rate markets, and it's been building for quite some time, is um, longer-dated bond yields are starting to rise, and that's always a sign of inflation coming onto the agenda again. You and I talked about this last year. Yes, yes, yes. Going to end this. But now every man and his dog across the world, all the big asset managers, all the big bankers, they're all talking about this um, rise in the 10-year bond mm-hmm. yield in North America and in Australia and in Europe, etc. And it's basically saying, well, the central banks are trying to keep yields really, really low, trying to keep interest rates very, very low to stimulate economies. But the markets, all the big asset managers with their trillions of dollars, are selling bonds very, very heavily, the longer dated bonds, and it's making that yield go up and up and up because of their, they just have now concerns that inflation is going to come back on the agenda because commodity prices are rising. And President Biden says he'll spend $1.9 trillion in, in covid stimulus and then there'll be um, further stimulus for infrastructure after that and the same thing's happening all around the world and finally people are saying after disappearing since the GFC in 2007 we will get inflation and whether that happens or not is the is the big question and there's lots of people saying it will happen lots of people saying no, it won't happen 
But that could then, if that does happen, then central banks would just be forced to say, okay, we said we're going to hold the cash rate down to, you know, close to nothing. Uh, we can't do that if, they, if inflation rises. They want some inflation, but if it rises to a point that frightens them, starts looking like they lose control of it, um, then they'll jump in and take some action. So, yeah, the normally quite staid interest rate markets, fixed income markets, are in, in quite a, um, I wouldn't call it a fluster, but there's an awful lot of excitement around this whole theme. And, of course, that just spills into property markets and spills into the share market as well, wondering, oh, gosh, if that's true, then look at asset prices. Mm. So there's just an awful lot of talk around this now. So the Reserve Bank last last week, I think, I'm lose track of weeks lately, was, yes, was stepping yeah. in trying to keep the, the three-year interest rate down, but they weren't that successful. Yeah, that's a, yeah and it, that's, that's one of the interesting things here is, is that usually the central banks control, when they say they're going to keep interest rates low three-year by buying the three-year bond or 10-year by buying the 10-year bond, then that's what happens. But what's happened here is that notwithstanding them saying that, the, the, just the weight of money on the sell, selling side from all these big asset managers globally has pushed the longer dated yields up. It's the 10-year and 20-year um, yields that are going up, which is actually a good thing because it's actually saying, hey, there's going to be growth in the economy. The, the vaccine is maybe going to work and it'll, it'll be able to handle any vaccine variants, etc. And we've got economic good times coming, coming in the future. But it does throw markets around when it start, when it happens quite dramatically, and it did happen over a sort of two or three week period. For example, the you know the U.S. ten year Treasury yield was three times higher than it was when it hit its low during the COVID crisis, when it was you know half a percent. It's now it got up to one point five, one point six percent. Yeah, so we might just come back in a minute and have a bit of talk about how these rates started to affect the equity market too last week. And to NURFM's Thursday Finance, and we're looking at, well, we're sort of fixed interest type um, slant on things at the moment, Stephen Pritchard, with Richard Murphy from the Australian Corporate Bond Company. So over the last couple of weeks, as the Reserve Bank's trying to push down the, the interest rates, or the three-year rate specifically, um, the equity market started to go down. There's a lot of red round on yes. a couple of days. So what, yeah, what was so- the interaction there, do you think, Richard? Yeah, there's, there's a very, very definite link um, always between where interest rates are and asset prices like equities and property. And with these ultra, ultra low interest rates all around the world for, you know, protect the economy reasons, um, we've seen equity markets all around the world at all time highs. So if you think, think back the last year we've had, it's been the worst year since the Second World War, basically, right? And yes, equity markets all around the world keep mm-hmm. on hitting all time highs. So that, that's, that's been caused by the super low interest rates because when you look at a share price, the analysts who work out what share prices should be, they use the interest rate in their calculation. And if it's super, super low, then that just pushes the share price up like helium, mm-hmm. into the, pumping helium into the tires. So the, the share market's obviously thinking about, oh, right, so the whole of the world thinks that inflation might be coming back in the future and interest rates might go up. And that's giving the wobbles to the share market naturally where People saying, oh, hang on a second, is such and such a stock overvalued? Are they all overvalued overall? And that's that's the concern, is that they're probably all overvalued if interest rates went up. They're not with interest rates where they are, but with this concern that, hmm, could there be longer-dated interest rates going up over the next year, then maybe those share prices will come down when that happens. So that's what's causing that knock-on effect into 
And that's why the Reserve Banks of the world are trying to keep a lid on this. Let's not let the 10-year rate run away with itself. So they're all out there in the market talking about, no, we will do whatever it takes. We will buy bonds to keep that rate down so that it doesn't, they don't lose control, control of it and lose control of their steady, slow, cautious um, stimulation of the economy. So what, what, sort of, what sort of bonds should people be looking at buying at the moment? Um, well, th- you can get bonds now. On the, uh, I saw there was one Qantas one that's an, that's an eight and a half year bond, and it sold. It was a hundred grams worth of that sold this morning, and it sold at an interest rate of something like three point four percent. So that's that that equation for that person is thinking. Well, eight years, um, Qantas. Okay, it didn't it, it has it survived the um, the worst of the crisis. It's got a reasonably solid business, and it's and it's got the government backing. Uh, will I take three point four percent? And that person this morning obviously thought, "Yep, that's that's good enough for me." But all of all of the yields and all of these bonds, they're really very very low for the reasons we've been talking about. And then beyond that, even things like hybrids have got yields under three percent at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's all relative to that turn deposit rate. Because if your one. alternative is if your ter- if your turn deposit is half percent, and that's all you're getting then 1.5% looks good. You know, that's three times. If, if, that's, if you're living off that income, mm-hmm. then three times that income is quite a lot more. So, um, so you, you'll get bonds between 2 and 3% and some over 3%. Um, and then beyond that, there's, um, you know, there's, um, you're, you're into equities again. And, of course, there you'll get some higher yields and some dividends. But the risk is that some of this talk turns out to be true. And, you know, the, the interest rates go up. Yeah, profits go down, the the dividend is cut, and the share price goes down as well. So that's obviously the the beauty and the the, um, agony as well, the agony and the ecstasy of owning shares. They go up and down on a regular basis. Okay. Well, I think we've kind of just about run out of time here, Richard. So um, we'll get you back in a few months and see what's happened since then. All right. Might be a completely different world again, Richard. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Thank you, Richard Murphy from the Australian Corporate Bond Company. And that's Thursday Finance for today. Catch it on podcast.